Hello, Slate Plus. <laughs> <laughs> Emily was just describing things not to do. We're not going to talk about those things on the show. Sorry, Slate Plus. You get that would be Slate Plus Plus. That would be Slate X. <clears throat> In Slate Plus today, we're going to talk about third parties. Maybe we'll get a bigger discussion of this, but we're going to. We haven't really touched on Gary Johnson and Jill Stein's campaigns very much, and today we're going to touch on them. So, Emily, Gary Johnson and Jill Steiner will not be in the debate on Monday. They are polling too low. But Gary Johnson, in some polls, is in some state polls, is over ten percent. He's I think eight percent nationally. Jill Stein, Green Party, is two to three percent. Johnson is Libertarian. What is going on here with What's Johnson in particular? Here? People don't like the two major party candidates. They don't think they have a real conservative, or they just don't like. Hillary Clinton, and they're searching for another alternative. But, and in some ways, it's a totally healthy thing for democracy to have more than two choices, right? And yet, in our democracy, which is completely set up for two major party candidates, these people end up in this destructive spoiler role that we really don't need them. And it's hard not to see them as just like a destructive nuisance, even though I feel bad about saying that. Well, yeah, and we have a lot of listeners I think this is true based on the number of great emails I got from people explaining why they were undecided. We have a lot of listeners who are in the Stein-Johnson camp because they're so unhappy with the current crop of candidates. To give you some sense of how unhappy the electorate is with the choices, in 2008, 72% of the country said they were very happy with the two-party nominees, McCain and Obama. That number is now 33%. Wow. And that's not always been so. You know, it's not always been, oh, we're disappointed with the two candidates. This is a new low. Will it ever go up, I wonder? I guess it will. Oh, sure it will. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. It went up with Obama from where it was. Um, Yeah, but I bet if you looked historically, if you looked back 100 years, it's on a steady decline. I think average. I I would agree with that on something like average approval rating, which is to say that a president will only ever be so popular because partisanship is so ingrained that you have a group of people in the country in both parties that will refuse to ever say positive things about a president. So you'll never see approval ratings beyond a certain. I don't. But I actually think. I mean, this goes back to 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 a larger issue, which is not about approval ratings for a particular politician. It's about belief in politics, and I think that we've had such a discrediting of the political system generally. Over the past decade, past two decades, because of this concerted effort by conservatives to destroy the credibility of politics. But that might be so. That the government is has lost support and people don't believe in it and they're cynical about it and they won't have have belief in any. I think the challenge. I think the challenge to that argument, though, is the Obama campaign in 2008, in which people were basically the pitch was that I can improve the the politics and we're better than the politics we have. And and he was an incredibly popular candidate, more popular. But then he but then he but that but he wasn't able to do that. And therefore people become ever more cynical about it. And and it drops. They do. But hope triumphs over experience. So my my I guess my point is that Obama was in 2008, which was after, as you said, long, long periods of, of talking about the how government was no good and was yet still able to appeal to that portion of the if electorate. If hope triumphs over experience, why do we have the youngest voters being the least hopeful? Well, the youngest voters two, who are the most idealistic well, we, are the we least hopeful. we have a special hopeful. case we with have, this election. I don't think it's a special case. With, with long-standing histories and enormous carrying like baggage that has stones in them, right? And that is something that is unusual on both for both parties to have people have been in the public view for such a long time and have people generate incredibly negative feelings toward. I mean, there's some of that. And, and there's this, this generational forgetting theory, which is that the reason why you had why older millennials are still very solidly Democratic is they were mobilized by Obama. 
and they remember how bad it was under Bush. And the younger millennials don't really remember that the Bush presidency was a fiasco and therefore haven't, you know, they haven't cathected to Democrats in the way you would have expected them to. And they seem like they may turn not turn out for Hillary. I mean, what? Well, go ahead. Sorry, but, go ahead. Well, not, not, we're talking like Neanderthals again. Um, uh, what? Let, me, <laughs> let me just let me say, uh, going back to my point about our listeners, which, which is that they're incredibly disappointed with the current crop. And I was really heartened to read through all the emails and unfortunately so heartened that it's been hard to write about because they are so voluminous in people's feelings about the country and what they want to have fixed and their real investment in ideas and improvement. And these are earnest people who basically look at the two choices and say, these are a mess, but I feel a responsibility to vote. I feel like my vote sends a message. I mean, and so they are picking either Stein or Johnson, except for the ones there's been a pretty consistent pattern of people who live in swing state or battleground states who say, you know, I would pick one of these two people, but I don't want it to throw the election to X. Oh, Most, that's interesting. I wonder if we'll see lower third party in battleground states. I, th- I think we will. Yeah. I- but you know what? I'm glad we're doing this at Slate Plus because the things I'm about to say would get me in so much trouble if this were going Watch to our larger out. audience. It's still public, it's David just, I know, I know. But it's just like I think these people are so – I realize that my hectoring is a 46-year-old, cynical, been through it all, uh, anti-idealistic man, you know, has no credence and they're just going to be like, fuck you, you old man. I just think if they honestly think – that Hillary Clinton is like there's something deeply wrong with. She isn't completely anodyne, average politician. Better, you know, she's like because she's a woman, so she's had to do it twice as hard. She's a completely anodyne, like run of the mill, good politician, like, you know, will work in the system to get things done. And to think like, oh, our problem is we have these two terrible choices. Oh, it's so bad. We have these two terrible choices. But I'm still going to I'm going to cast a vote for Gary Johnson, and Jill Stein, because I, you know, I, I do want things to get better in this country. But I'm giving me two terrible. We haven't been given two. We've been given one historically terrible choice and one completely average, competent, hardworking person who is working in a system which has been systematically fucked up. And like that, that it's so unfair for Hillary Clinton to be tarred with that. I, it just makes me furious. And you people are so wrong to not see that. A strong letter to follow. Yeah. The equivalent writing off of these two candidates does seem to me to be an error of epic proportions. All right. Let's leave it there. Slate Plus.